Hello and welcome to Breakthrough with Brit. I am your host, Brittany Weekhauser, and we have a fun and compact show for you today. I'm very excited as this show is to provide our listeners ways to lift you up through real life stories and testimonials from people who are overcomers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Breakthrough with Brit podcast. Where together we break through it all. Break through it all. Keep your hopes high and volume up. You're listening to Brit. Our show for today is titled Spoiled Athletes Faith, Fame, and Discipline. I have to admit that I don't know very many professional athletes, but I can honestly say that I'm friends with Quan Cosby, a formal NFL and Major League Baseball player. Receiving celebrity status treatment for years on end comes at no surprise for Quan. but what people fail to recognize about him is that he's extremely disciplined behind the scenes and has a strong relationship with the Lord. On Breakthrough with Brit, we'll get a sneak peek on what it's really like to be a professional athlete in today's competitive arena. I don't want to give away too much as special guest, Quan Cosby, will be stopping by for a quick chat. So stick around. Keep your hopes high and volume up. You're listening to Brit. Welcome back, everyone, to Breakthrough with Brit. Today's episode is about spoiled athletes and how faith, fame, and discipline can work together for good. In studio, we have former professional NFL player and major league baseball player, Quan Cosby, here with me. Welcome, Quan, to Breakthrough with Brit. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Brit. Absolutely. We're excited that you're here today. So, Quan, I met you through an old roommate, Rihanna, as you two sat next to each other on a plane on your way to a NASCAR event. It just so happened that I was going to that same NASCAR event. So that's where we met. Uh, take a moment and tell us a little about your upbringing, where you are from, and a little about yourself. See, I was in the league at that point. I was with the Cincinnati Bengals at the time. So I was soon after my college career, which I played college at the University of Texas, and then um, went to the Cincinnati Bengals, played there a few years. But even uh, you know, backing up a little bit more, I grew up in a small town in Texas uh, called Mark, which is a town of about 1,500 folks, uh, super small. Um, the fast version of it is uh, as a young kid, had some interesting uh, upbringing. So I was adopted when I was, um, well, me and my twin were adopted when we were uh, in eighth grade. And uh, awesome family, got me into education, of course, uh, introduced me to a spiritual life. So that's the fast version of my upbringing. I think it's really cool how you and I are both twins. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and you and your twin both played Division One football. Um, you played for Texas, and he played for Baylor. So talk to me about how you got started in your career and how it got kicked off. And I actually played baseball first, um, that most small town town guys and, and ladies do, just to have something to do in the summer because you're either working on somebody's farm or or nothing. <laughs> and so we played little league baseball. So I fell in love with baseball super quick. And then I might, you know, in small town Texas, is everything you read about in the books like Friday Night Lights. I was like, all these books and things that talk about Texas football. Um, it, it is football. 
all year long, even during baseball season. So, of course, and my oldest brother, uh, I have my twin, but my oldest brother, he, he played football. So I fell in love with the game, playing with him and, and cousins and people in the neighborhood. And so, but then my idol was Bo Jackson. And so in most cases in my small town, guys would play baseball and football until, you know, seventh grade. And then it's all football because it's such a big deal. And so, no, I stuck with it and uh, played through, through high school and started getting some interest. And that's why I went to, you know, the minor leagues for uh, the Angels. And then, uh, of course, I, I wanted an education, saw a lot of the kind of the effects of not getting that college degree while I was in the minors. And so I made that decision to come back to the University of Texas and Coach Brown at the time one of the coolest and best people I know honored my scholarship and uh, that's how I got back to UT and you know, I, I, I wondered about that decision but we won a national championship my first year so I think that was an estimation point and confirmation that it was the right choice and then I uh, went to the NFL and I mean, uh, we called that I was there for about four years and most guys who I guess I, I beat the odds because usually the average person there is at 2.8 and so we call it not for long league and the NFL experience we don't really call it a career, so it, it was an unbelievable experience. Made some great friends there. Played for Cincinnati, the Broncos, and I finished with Jacksonville. So that's oh, wow. the fast version of what my sports world was and, and why it kind of happened and morphed into what it was. So, how old were you when you entered into the MLB? Well, I was eighteen, growing up real fast, man. Really, in my life, I had to do that to a certain degree anyway uh, because of the hardships, but this was a, a different level of it. And, uh, but I took it on, and it was, it was pretty cool. So the discipline it takes for anyone to reach the collegiate level in any sport is like very impressive, but you took it to a whole other level. Can you talk to me about your journey of discipline as you moved to becoming a professional athlete? You have to earn it. Every ounce of it, and, 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 and not just to get there, you have to earn it as well to keep it. And especially when we talk about professional levels, I mean, it is one of the most competitive things you will ever do. And only less than 1% of the people who ever play this game actually get to that level. So you need some of the most extreme and crazy discipline you can ever imagine. And it starts with one, um, you know, eating. It starts with, you know, the fun high school, small town stuff that you see people do with, you know, drinking or making bad choices, you don't get that luxury, which is a good thing. But, you know, I didn't have my first beer until I was 31 years old. Now, I may have tried other stuff in minor league baseball from the standpoint of, you know, maybe a shot here or there, but I, I really didn't have my first beer. It was because of the discipline that took, with, you know, taking care of your body. Um, you, your, your schedule at the collegiate level usually starts at 5 o'clock in the morning. You're working out at 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, you go to class by 7 or 8 o'clock, and then you're back to working out by 2 or 3 o'clock, and then you have study hall. And then if you want to be good and you want to win a national championship, all that time in between, you're, you're, you're steady, just continually, you know, working out and doing what you need to do. And so that's, that, that's the discipline it takes. And then, you know, the choices, uh, one bad choice can totally derail any chance or, or, you know, option for you to go to the next levels. And again, God gives you a certain amount of athletic ability, but I was not even close to the best athlete I ever played with. And so then there's that part of people also forget, don't pass, don't play. You have to 
be smart or at least take care of business, you know, on so many levels uh, from the standpoint of your grades, uh, the, the discipline it takes to read a blitz because, you know, at, at the receiver level, we can call a play. You have another one in your head. You have all these adjustments from the standpoint of if they blitz there or if they blitz on that side. You're a full speed running with a guy on, across from you trying to knock your head off. And if he blitzes or someone at the linebacker position blitzes, you have to make the right play so that your quarterback doesn't get knocked out. And so you're, there's so many, there's the, the flat out physical discipline. There's the, the grades discipline. There's the keep yourself in the best shape possible, but especially in now today's game because it's so fast from it It's, it's about, you know, it's like every, series is a two-minute drill and then there's just the flat out psychological discipline of reading blitzes because i don't know if anybody saw pat mahomes uh contract but i think it was like 500 million dollar contract well it's the discipline of protecting him because if you miss a bliss and he gets hit really hard and gets hurt it's your fault you lose your quarterback so it's it's it, it is everything about being a pro athlete a college athlete and really of course high school but you can get away with a little bit more is, is staying disciplined, taking care of business and, and just really going after it. So how did faith in athletics, you know, influence your life, specifically faith anchor you in your athletic career? Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually a 5'10 guy. So baseball now, thanks to Altoona, these guys, that, that's not bad. I'm actually a, a pretty dang average, but on the football field, I'm small, man. I'm super small. Um, but one, every decision I've ever made, like, you know, taking the MLB route. And then the decision I made to come back to college. Every major decision I've ever made has been led by birth. It truly has. Um, um, especially, like I said, I got adopted. Me and my children got adopted. And so that's when I was, you know, I became a Christian in high school and I I had to I had to lean on it my favorite you know and I, ironically I became a Christian and my grandmother my granny who unfortunately I lost a year ago she she gave me a card and it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and it's been my favorite verse from that from every point leaning on you know not on my own understanding and trusting God is how I had to do it and, and in doing so like I said I got the exclamation point when I came back to college i winning a national championship I got my college degree I'm going to Cincinnati seeing the world, um, all of the above from a family standpoint. The, I was the second person in my family to get a degree. The first was my oldest brother, and now we have double digit. And so truly living that world and having faith that it's not always one, even the decisions I question or worry about is usually, you know, way bigger than me and past my own understanding is why I was fairly healthy. I had a cool career and had a platform and now my job is to try to continue to use that for younger folks and, and, and in general um, just try to do a little good in this crazy world we live in. So when did you retire from you know football and what do you do now since you mentioned you go and speak? I retired from football in 2014, and uh, since then, I, I, I talk on the radio for UT, which is funny. Uh, I, it keeps me involved in, uh, with the players, the younger kids, from a mentorship standpoint. Um, and, and then my day job is actually risk management. I work for Marshall McClendon. Um, I, as, a, as a sports person, it's funny because I talk way more about education than I do sports. Uh, I certainly talk about sports, but... 
I know, in my opinion, from a, you know, a, maybe a lower socioeconomic person, I think that education is an equalizer. Sports is the opportunity, if you have those abilities, uh, to get to a college or get to that next level, at least from a getting some of the paid for standpoint, but really it's all about getting that degree and changing certain levels of those norms for so many first generation families and, and all some say it's not cool to talk to K through twelve schools about your spiritual life, but I let it be known that I'm not gonna sit here and preach to anyone, but hey, the kid's gonna do a QA and they ask me why I feel like I was this or that. Uh, certainly a spiritual life has a lot, if not everything to do with it. Absolutely. And that's awesome that you are uh, taking that stand because that's an anchor in your life and how you got to where you are now. And looking back at your career, what lessons did you learn that will stick with you for life? I don't think you have time on this. <laughs> Maybe one or two um, lessons. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go one or two. Now, honestly, just so many. Um, first and foremost, uh, like I said, leaning out on my own understanding, um, changing lives, growing, all the above. That's so much more important than being this pro athlete. And then, you know, really, what we've been talking about in general, the discipline, you know, I cracked up because I, I retired six years ago and Golly, man, I just got so lazy and just in general, and I've been so disciplined my entire life. But I love burgers, man. I love all this southern food that I didn't always partake in. So for five and a half years, I was smashing every food I could and, and just kind of chilling out. And after 30 plus years of just being in with 4% body, you know, fat, I was like, nah, I'm good. I can use a little bit little dad bodish, but then, uh, you know, right before all this happened with COVID and all the things going on in the world, that discipline part of me, I was like, okay, I've been lazy enough, boom, kick back in it. So um, I don't even know how many cows I am now, and I've, I've probably lost a few since the last time we talked, but just getting back into that mindset and still um, you know, the psychological aspects of certain of it, of course, take away the war stuff, and then just disciplines. And so uh, getting back into that zone, reading books, I like making your bed and stuff like that, that, that help. Uh, it's, it's so much uh, and, and so much more that we don't have time for the, the life lessons I'll learn and implement and try to try to use as much as I can to, you know, uh, be successful each and every day. Those are good lessons from making your bed to work ethic to discipline and healthy habits. That's a lot for anyone to start working on. <laughs> and in Quan, as we wrap up our time together, I always ask our guests the same final question. If you had to tell your younger self breakthrough advice, what would that advice be? I had to tell my younger self uh, a little more advice. Um, man, that's, that's a good one. Uh, really, uh, a lot, because I've made a lot of my It's funny, we talk about, fortunately, my successes, but I, I made a lot of uh, mistakes. Um, and I think that would be it. Um, mistakes are inevitable. Uh, I think at times I would make one, and I'd be so hard on myself, especially as you know, a spiritual guy. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm bad. Am I? Am I not who I'm trying to? All of the above. But really, ultimately, I would tell myself to move on. I would tell myself to see what mistakes truly are. And, and I'm not saying anyone should go out and try to make mistakes. But what I'm saying is, if you, you know, hit a speed bump and you make one, 
find that silver lining, find the growth in it. And that's where, at, you know, 37, I'm so much better at saying, oh, man, probably could have did that better. Okay, I would tell my younger self how to kind of be better a little bit uh, every day. I think that is what I would tell myself on uh, and, and just try to do a better job at it at that time. Well, that is great information and great advice to share with anyone. It was so wonderful talking with you, Quan, and thank you for letting us in on the behind the scenes of your life. You are a true inspiration for so many people. Oh, thank you, Brittany. Always uh, appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for doing this. This is really cool. And as my twin sister, <laughs> always good to catch up with you. Well, that's all for today's episode on Breakthrough with Brit. Thank you for listening and special thanks to Quan Cosby for joining me today and for teaching us that discipline, scripture guidance, and a whole lot of drive and hard work will give you the endurance to get you to performing at that professional level. Join us again next time when we talk with Lori Armstrong, a registered dietitian who faced death at the operating table while under anesthesia during a brainstem surgery. Her journey of comeback is incredible. You're listening to Brit. If you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, please subscribe now. You can help us increase our exposure by giving us an honest rating and review. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to share this episode with others. If you want to share your story, visit us online at BreakthroughWithBrit.com. Thank you for tuning in today on Breakthrough with Brit.